the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, March the 26th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on March 26, 1982, groundbreaking ceremonies took place in Washington, D.C. for the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. Today in 1812, an earthquake devastated Caracas, Venezuela. 26,000 people were killed as a result of that earthquake. Today in 1827, composer Ludwig Beethoven, he died in Vienna. Today in 1874, poet Robert Frost, he was born in San Francisco. Today in 1892, poet Walt Whitman died in Camden, New Jersey. Today in 1917, in case some of you old guys missed this game, maybe you didn't get to go to it or this match, whatever they call hockey. But today in 1917, the Seattle Metropolitans became the first U.S. team to win the Stanley Cup as they defeated the Montreal Canadiens in Game 4 finals by a score of 9-1. to You didn't probably know that because you probably missed that game. You were busy doing something else back in 1917. For most of us, waiting to be born... Today in 1992, a judge in Indianapolis sentenced former heavyweight boxing champion Mike Tyson to six years in prison for raping a Miss Black America contestant. Today in 1997, the bodies of 39 members of Heaven's Gate, it was a kind of a techno-religious cult, was built around a lot of things, but mostly a very, very false teaching about eternity. But they committed suicide. They were in this uh, rented mansion in uh, Rancho Santa Fe, California. And I remember this pretty well uh, because I was aware of, of that group before this happened. But they all drank poison of some kind, and they all were laying on beds in this mansion. And the thought was they had been taught by their leader that this comet was passing. I don't know if it was Halley's Comet or some other comet. But anyway, this comet was passing, you know, nearer to Earth than it normally does. And you know how that goes from time to time. So anyway, they had been told that they could attach themselves to that comet. And that by by dying at that moment, this certain moment, when this thing passed, you know, near, quote unquote, relatively speaking, to Earth. And that would carry them into paradise. So uh, they they all drank the juice and all died, 39 of them. And I can assure you, I have not been in eternity yet, but I can assure you they did not catch that comet and it did not carry them into paradise. Isn't it so much simpler to just accept the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God became flesh and dwelt among us because he loves us. And he sent his son 
to die for our sins, the God that created the universe, including the comets that these guys were trying to attach themselves to? I don't know. It just seems to me that Christianity Christianity is easily accepted. I know it's a stumbling block. Paul pointed that out to many. But it just seems when you look at some of the things that people will believe, and in this case, take their own lives, commit suicide, because they believe it. They've been misled. I don't know. Christianity just sounds, it makes more sense right up front. And once you accept Jesus Christ into your life, and your life, your mind is transformed, your heart is forgiven, you're a new creature in Christ, then it's really easy to accept the message of Christianity and the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Five years ago today, Bernie Sanders won over Hillary Clinton in Washington State and the caucuses. He also won in Alaska and Hawaii. That's about the time, this is about the time that the Democratic Party was starting to panic because Bernie was on the rise. And they didn't think they wanted Bernie to be their leader, anybody but Bernie, because he's socialist, and a lot of them are socialist as well, but they just didn't think Bernie could win an election against Donald Trump because America's not that social yet, was their thinking. But anyway, Bernie, he scored big. Washington State, Alaska, and Hawaii today, five years ago. And speaking of politics, Nancy Pelosi is 81 years old today. I would suggest maybe it's time for her to spend some time. She talks about her kids and grandkids a lot. Maybe this would be a good time, but I don't think she has any intent of doing that. She will celebrate her birthday today in the biggest, most upward fashion that she can create and people will applaud her and all and all of that and she will carry on she will shuffle through the halls of power in washington dc much like joe biden as long as she can get up and walk she'll be there and she'll be tearing up the transcript of the president if she doesn't like his speech as she did with trump's and whatever else she feels she needs to do but it all and aside from all of that Happy birthday, Nancy. I do think it's time that you spend more time with your family in San Francisco, but that's just my opinion. The mayor of Oakland, California, announced this morning she's rolling out this program that awards low-income black families, foreign nationals, and homeless. They're going to get $500 a month now, from now on. Every month, $500 a month, but... The program excludes white households living in the equivalent poverty. If you're a white household, it doesn't matter. But if you're black, foreign, or homeless, living in the same conditions, you're going to get a check from, I guess, Oakland, $500 a month going forward. Interestingly enough, this Mayor Schaff is her name. She's a white woman. She keeps referencing racial equity. And I've made that point on this program a number of times recently. When they talk about racial equity, it's very different than racial equality. Equality is that, well, like the Constitution and like the Declaration of Independence and 
it's like our founding doc, documents. It's like the Bible teaches that God is no respecter of persons. All of us are equal before God, our Creator. That's equality. And I think most of us believe in equality. Certainly Christians do, for sure. But this isn't about that. Equity is very different. Equity has to do with equality of outcome, not equality of opportunity. And that's worlds apart. Well, that's what she's talking about here. And she yesterday was talking about this rising trend of anti-racism. You say, well, that's people who are against racism. No, it isn't. I talked about that about, it was either Monday or Tuesday of this week. I talked a little bit about this anti-racism, and I mentioned this uh, concept that's been popularized by Ibram X. Kendi. I referred to him, and you may remember that. I hope you do remember that. But anyway, she's talking about Kendi as well, and she's quoting Kendi. And Kendi argues in favor of racial discrimination for the purposes of achieving equal outcomes between demographics. That's the whole plan. It's, there's a book and there's teaching on it. It's being taught in schools and elsewhere. And that's what she's referring to. So the statement that she's making today is explicit, declaring one of its objectives is to eliminate racial disparities. And they're going to use discrimination to achieve equity. Well, I'll tell you, that's how screwed up we can get when we depart from conservative, traditional, biblically-based values in the culture. Dr. Robert Redfield, he's the former director of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. He came out this morning, and they play, he said it a couple of days ago, but they played it on CNN this morning. And uh, he says he believes that the coronavirus originated in a lab in Wuhan, China, and it escaped from that lab and was potentially spreading as early as September in 2019. Of course, the so-called scientific uh, community is really upset at him this morning because he said it out loud, and they played it on CNN, surprisingly. He said, if I was to guess, the virus started transmitting somewhere in September, October in Wuhan. He's a virologist. He said, that's my own feelings and only my opinion. But he said, I'm allowed to have opinions now. He's the former director. He has now retired just a few months ago. When Trump left office, he retired. But through a World Health Organization, the WHO, they're saying that it's not lab-related. They said that's extremely unlikely. And that is simply Redfield's point of view. And it did not come from that. Well, of course, because China controls the World Health Organization, WHO. They've been putting millions of dollars into it. They picked the the current head of the World Health Organization. It was China's choice, the Communist Party. So they're out there advocating, and they will ultimately probably convince many in the world that didn't come from the lab in China. It's a big deal to China. They don't want anything to do with that, even though from all I've read over the last year about this, uh, it seems pretty plausible to me. I'm not a scientist, but it seems pretty plausible to me that it probably did come from that lab 
Otherwise, why would they be doing all this stuff, trying to cover it up and kind of rewrite what happened in reality? But that's apparently what communists do, and it's what progressives do as well. Don Fetter is a Jewish conservative. For a long time, I think about 20 years, he was a journalist for the Boston Herald. He was not a conservative, always a Jew, always a Jew, of course. But he wrote an article today, and I want to share a part of it with you. I wouldn't take the time, but I think it's important to see his perspective on this. Don Fetter, you probably have heard of him. He does a lot of writing about conservative, from a conservative point of view. He's he's brilliant. And I don't agree with everything he says, but much of it is what you and I would agree with. But he wrote this about Passover. Passover is Saturday evening, tomorrow night. At sundown, March 27. He said, you think you know the story, perhaps, but after more than 70 years, I barely know it myself. It's Don Fetter. He said, there's the Cecil B. DeMille version, Yule Brenner, that's the movie. Yule Brenner is oppressing the Jews in Egypt, conscripting them for construction projects along the Nile. With the help of frogs and locusts, Charlton Heston leads them out of slavery into technicolor freedom. But he said, seriously, the Passover Seder is the world's oldest continuously celebrated ritual. There are the candles and wines, the matzah, bitter herbs. He said they're embittered their lives, they, and they embittered their lives with servitude. There's the Haggadah with the four questions. Why is the night different from all other nights? He writes, the celebration lasts eight days, during which we abstain from certain foods. The theme is remembrance. Remember what God did for you when he took you out of Egypt. Each Jew must feel that he is personally redeemed, telling the Passover story is a commandment. The Haggadah says the more one tells the Exodus, the more he is praiseworthy. Passover is just the beginning of the story. The end is nowhere in sight. After the first Passover and the departure from Egypt, there's the encounter at Sinai and the giving of the law. In the DeMille version, the, the movie, he says, Moses says to Pharaoh, when men, men shall be ruled by law, not by other men. Whose law? The one from the ultimate lawgiver. Western civilization, he writes, started at a mountain in the Sinai Peninsula, where the 12 tribes assembled, assembled received not just the Ten Commandments, but the entire corpus of Jewish law. Before that, time was static. There was no progress, no movement toward a conclusion. From Sinai came the Promised Land, more than a thousand years chronicled in the Bible. From Sinai came the kings and the prophets, Judaism, Christianity. They started there. He says, without the Passover, Easter would not have come. The Jews went to the 2000, went into 2,000 years of exile, and their morality was spread into Europe and eventually worldwide by Christians, hence the Judeo-Christian ethic. The settlers who founded America were inspired by the vision of Sinai. Many gave their children biblical names. From them, this was the promised land. For the great seal of the United States, Benjamin Franklin proposed a scene showing Moses leading the children of Israel through the Red Sea. Eventually, the colonists came to see King George III as the pharaoh of the Exodus. The Declaration of Independence didn't spring full-blown from the brow of Jefferson. The seeds were planted at Sinai. That all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. The doors to the Supreme Court chamber depict twin tablets with the Roman numerals, one through ten. 
a reminder of our origins in a far older code of law. But while Passover bids us to remember, the pagan culture we find ourselves immersed in tells us to forget. Pharaoh says to Moses, Who is the Lord that I should heed him and let Israel go? So too says the party of the Democrats. America's elite calls appeals to our roots religious fanaticism and asks why we should follow men with sandals and staffs any more than men with wigs and buckled shoes. Forget this invisible God, progressives say. Worship our gods, multiculturalism, equality, and choice. Washington, D.C. is their golden calf. Passover is called the Festival of Freedom. Patriots have never been more concerned about the preservation of our freedoms, but the Passover story reminds us that freedom isn't free. And he's right. It isn't free. Indeed. After the Exodus, he says, God didn't say to the Israelites, go enjoy. Enjoy the beaches of Tel Aviv. They await you. He led us to Sinai and gave us the law, which was the culmination of the Exodus. For without law, we are forced to submit to the rule of men. In America today, there is no law. Instead, we have mindless regulations. Wear a mask, maintain social distancing, confiscating taxation, spending like we possess the riches of the store cities of Python and Ramses. He said our courts deliberately misinterpret the Constitution to advance their ideology. Flaunting the laws of Sinai has become a secularist commandment. Thou shalt not exalt fornication and perversion. Passover is the tale that never ends. There's always a new pharaoh, a new house of bondage, a new journey through the Red Sea, and 40 years in the desert to reach the Promised Land. And they did it all without stimulus spending. He says, Passover reminds us of the eternal struggle, freedom and slavery, the eternal balance, rights and responsibilities, liberty and sacrifice. The Seder ends with, next year in Jerusalem. But he writes, the city of David isn't just a physical place, it's also an ideal to strive for. A time when the law is universally acknowledged and Pharaoh is finally defeated. Keep in mind, this is coming from a Jewish point of view, a Jewish mind, but I found it very interesting. I hope you did as well. I got this letter the other day. I want to share it with you very briefly. Dear Gary Randall, Reverend Gary Randall, although I'm not a believer in Christianity or any other faith, I listen almost every day to you on 8.20 a.m. That would be Seattle. And think that your program is great. And I would humbly tell you that the word great is all capital letters. Thank you for that. I hope you're listening today. He said, one thing I like is that you do your own research rather than just repeating what scores of others have already said. He said, for example, I heard hours of discussion about the pro athletes kneeling for the anthem, but never heard the info that you gave about the anthem's author and slavery. You are spot on regarding the arrogance and the ignorance of the kneelers. He goes on to talk about the NBA, obviously as a sports fan. He talks about how they have been kneeling and how they've changed the name now. They, they don't call the team owners owners anymore because that suggests masters and so on. Well, I talked about that on this program, so I won't go through all of that. But thank you for writing that letter to me. And I know there are a lot of, I don't know about a lot, but there are people who watch or listen to this program who are not Christians, 
And from time to time, they'll tell me that as this person is doing. And to those of you who may be listening today, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. And if you'll just listen to all that we're talking about here, not just the politics and the historical aspect of life and so on. Listen to the truth of what the solution to all of the problems that we have is, because it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I I know in my heart that if you keep listening and just be open with an open mind, you're going to come to the conclusion that you need Jesus Christ in your life. And I pray that that will come. And I believe that it will. But thank you for listening and thank you for being with us. I, I mean that sincerely. And to all of you, he goes on to say that he would like to support this ministry, but he's out of a job right now. Well, I'll pray that you get a job so you can support us. But even more so, I'm going to pray that you open your heart and allow Jesus Christ to speak to your heart. He's knocking on on the door of your heart, even as I'm speaking to you. And he wants to come in and make you into a new man, a man that you will be very happy to be, because Christianity brings fulfillment and joy that is beyond any expectation, any human expectation. That's what God does in the life of an individual. And to all of you who are Christians and you support this ministry, and believe me, it's important. We wouldn't be here without you. Thank you so much. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about President Biden and Vice President Harris. Recently, Vice President Kamala Harris was asked by a reporter, you may have seen this on the news, she was asked if she plans to visit the border. This was, I don't know, four or five days ago. In her response, she bellowed that, that belly laugh that she does. I mean, it was just loud and long and when she finished laughing, she said, not today, but I've been I've been before, and I'm sure I will again. That was, like I said, four or five days ago. Now, a few days later, President Biden has announced that he's handed the border crisis to a highly qualified Vice President Harris. He announced his own plans yesterday for the 2024 presidential election, and I'll come back to that in a moment. Just a few days ago, as... Vice President Harris was laughing all the way as if she were going to Grandma's house in a one-horse open sleigh. But Wednesday, everything changed because when this ailing and failing President Biden handed her the border problem, she stopped laughing. She's still smiling, but she's not laughing. He said yesterday, I've asked her, the Vice President, because she is the most qualified person to do it to lead our efforts with Mexico and the Northern Triangle and the, 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 the countries that we're going to need to help in stemming this movement of so many folks stemming the migration to our southern border. He continued, he said, I can think of nobody who's better qualified to do this than a former, uh, this woman, I'm quoting him, uh, this woman who ran the second largest attorney general's office in America after the United States Attorney General in the state of California. When she speaks, he said, This is the President of the United States, Joe Biden. When she speaks, she speaks for me. She doesn't have to check with me. She knows what she's doing. In other words, good luck. Don't ask me any questions. He's distancing himself from that problem because he can't solve it. And neither can she, and I'll tell you why in a moment. Biden continued, Madam Vice President, thank you. 
I gave you a tough job. You're still smiling. But there's no one better capable of trying to organize it. We don't need it to be organized. We need it to be solved. Joe Biden, in in his way, and certainly she and others, his handlers, the people behind the scenes, they know that the, the far left, the progressive ideology cannot solve this problem. I'm just telling you that up front. I mean, they may hide it, and the press is certainly complicit, but they'll never solve the problem because they don't have the ability to solve it with the set of philosophy set that they have. They'll just have to work at it. And as he said, he'll, they'll organize it. They'll get it so organized that the press won't, re, they won't cover it in, with any integrity. And it'll be organized, but it won't be solved. There are thousands, tens of thousands of people pour, pouring into the United States now, illegal. Our government doesn't have a clue who they are. Some of them are terrorists. Many of them, as high as 25% of them, have COVID-19. And they're pouring in pr- primarily to Texas and and Arizona, but elsewhere, and then they're fanning out across the United States. Now they're not even giving them a court date. They're just saying, report back at some point so you can go to court and get this worked out. Oh, of course, they'll just run right to the nearest courthouse and take care of those matters. Nobody believes they're going to do that. A better qualified person? Human events noted that Harris's attitude towards the border went from a from giggly to grave. <laughs> They're right. Her own party doesn't really have much confidence in her. It was because of her own record as California Attorney General that Democrats didn't even support her in their own Democrat primary. It caused her to have to withdraw from the presidential primaries. Remember that? Even before she got to the California primary, her own state. Her own party didn't want her. They didn't even vote for her. But now she's the most qualified person in America or in this administration to take care of the border? I don't think so. But the reason I believe that Biden is doing this is because he has figured out that the 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 ideas, the principles, if you would call them that, the the notions that the far left progressives have will not solve this problem. He cannot, I don't think he wants to, but even if he wanted to, he cannot abandon those principles because that, that, that's what he is. That's what they are about, the far left. So the progressive has to work within their structure of ideals and principles, so-called, and those principles will not solve this problem. They don't solve any problems. They often postpone them. They cover them up. But they create problems, they don't solve problems. That's why conservatism and a basis on Judeo-Christianity and conservative values, like Federer was talking about in the article I shared with you, those kinds of principles solve problems. But the progressives do not. So that's what we're looking at today, and that's why he's putting her in charge of this, because he knows ultimately their set of principles And the things that they're going to do and have to do within that context is not going to solve this problem. So he's handing it off to her. Then he went on to say, he was asked finally, very politely, but he was asked, what is your intent regarding running again for president? And he said, I'm going to run again for president. He said, that's my expectation. That's my plan. I'm going to run for president in 2024. 
Tucker Carlson said last night that when he said that, there was a gasp behind the curtain. I think there was a gasp across America. Hey, thanks for being with me today. I'll see you Monday.